All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Grease the Wheels, your weekly automotive technician podcast that comes out of the pie hole of your Uncle Jimmy from the Holland Hall to the Rock and Roll Garage. Grease the Wheels, bitches. Hey, uh, well, uh came home from work on a Tuesday. Yeah, got a late one for you. And uh wanted to get started and do the podcast and instead fell asleep on the couch and took a really long nap. Okay, so woke up late and and uh it's uh past my bedtime. So uh this is gonna be really erratic and probably pretty short too, by the way. So I apologize. But hey, you know what? I work hard just like you motherfuckers do. And uh that's why I when I say I appreciate what you do, I mean it more than most. I mean it more than anybody and well really there isn't anybody else offering you any praise, any uh any sort of accolades, any sort of uh, appreciation for what you do. Uh, your Uncle Jimmy's filling in the blanks. I appreciate what you do. Everything on this planet continues to work because of sons of bitches like you. Thank you very much. And uh, I appreciate you keeping it up and keeping it going. So keep on keeping on, bitches. All right. Hey, I wanted to kind of uh, comment a little bit on last week's podcast here. When we were talking about people. We were talking about customers and uh, how they uh, how they perceive us, how they think we are what they think we are, what they think we're doing, why they think we do what we do, and uh, and I think and how wrong they are. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to get across was that, uh, you know, as, as a mechanic, as somebody who solves problems, and I think a lot of you, I really want to say, I want to say all of you, but I know there's a few of you who don't do this, but I think there's a, a lot of you and probably the majority of you and hopefully 100% of you that actually uh, take things that are effed up Take what's effed up about them and fix it. Really, no matter what it is that they bring you, you diagnose what's wrong with it, and then you repair it. And I got to be honest with you, I think, and I don't tell anybody this, okay, but I think that we have it easy, easier than some of the people in our in our particular building, in our particular line of work, uh, you know, such as a parts guy maybe, or a manager or, or even a salesperson and especially the service advisors because we deal with the with the uh, mechanical device whatever it is um, you know I mean if obviously if you're in an auto repair shop of some kind be it a dealer or an independent repair shop you my friend are dealing with a car and uh, you know I mean you could be a tractor you could be working in a place where you work on tractors or you could be working on appliances uh, everything from toasters to washing machines and whatnot. Uh, but when you have to deal with a mechanical component or mechanical uh, piece of machinery uh, that doesn't work, there is a fucking reason. There's always a reason, a very specific reason. Sometimes eh, a little difficult to figure out exactly what that reason is. Most of the time, however, not. And that's where skill and experience and training comes in. That's why I'm constantly talking about it because that shit's all going to make your job easier. I don't think I need to really pound that into you tonight. But you know that, okay? So when people bring you stuff that doesn't work, there's a fucking reason. There's a solid gold, honest to God, uh, according to Hoyle, reason why it doesn't work. You know, it, you know, it could be as simple as it's out of gas or you never put oil in it. And now it's got parts of its engine hanging out of the side of the block. I mean, there's always a reason for whatever it is that's happening. In some cases, there may be several fucking reasons. This is what really knocks me for a loop mostly. And I try to tell the new guys this stuff, that uh, when you have a car that has more than one problem, it, it's going to give you fits, okay? Because you're going to go in, and we all do this. We go in, we have a car, maybe it doesn't start, maybe it doesn't run right, whatever. We go in and we see, okay, we got this, this, and this wrong. 
or maybe we just have this wrong and we go, okay, you know, we want to put, you know, let's just say spark plugs and coils in a car, just as an example, uh, for a misfire. And uh, we put them in there and guess what? It continues to misfire. Well, okay. So that what that means is you probably had more than one problem. So you have to kind of use your spidey sense, if you will, to, to determine, you know, if that is going to fix it completely or if you're going to need more stuff. And for those of us who are experienced, we know that we have to say, listen, we didn't like the looks of the plugs. The ignition coils are, are very old and aged, and probably the windings in them have melted together somewhat, so they're faulty, especially when they heat up, because when we're working on them, and usually when we're fucking with them, they've cooled down somewhat, and any kind of testing we might do on them might show that they're good. You put you apply some heat to them, and all of a sudden, yeah, they don't fucking work so good anymore. Okay, but we know that we we know we know, and some of the uh, engines that we work on have the coils sticking dead center in the middle of the cylinder head, uh, a good maybe two, three, four, five inches away from a fucking turbo, which is you know in some cases glowing cherry red. It's so fucking hot. So coils are going to take a beating. We know that when we see them, and they've got a lot of age to them, they might have to go. And your car is definitely going to run better. But you have to also remember that that may not be 100% of the problem. It may be it may be 25% of the problem or 50% of the problem. So you have to know that. And uh, you, you don't have a problem with that, okay? When it comes to mechanical things, you can have more than one problem. That's usually what really knocks us for a loop is when you fix one thing and you still got fucking more problems. But when you have to deal with people, okay, there's, like I said before, there's no scan tool for them. They're erratic. Some of their thoughts are just moronic, idiotic, wrong. Uh, they get they get their information from the wrong fucking places. Uh, hello, Mister Internet. Uh, sometimes they they learn something that's wrong, or they think something that's wrong. I know that I have I've done that in the past. I you know I, there's been situations where I thought something was supposed to work a certain way, and then when I really dove in to figure out how it was supposed to work because something I did didn't fix something. I'm like, oh, holy fuck, it doesn't work the way I thought it did. <laughs> well, this happens to customers all the time. It happens with customers, and it happens to customers, and the people who have to deal with it are typically our service advisors. And uh, <laughs> out of, honestly, out of all the people in our dealership, the people who are the least skilled at dealing with customers are the service advisors. It's just the way it, it's just the way it works. And, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and run them down I do enough of that. Uh, their job is difficult because they have to have to deal with the human element. And the human element is so random and and stupid at times. And so, you know, they have they have it tough, okay? But when I when I talk about people and the problems that people present, not machines, but people, usually if you have even even a a, a terrible service advisor, let's sort that out for you. Okay, so one of the problems that we have as technicians is we have to deal with the people who are in our own building, who are in working for the business that we work for. Okay. And we can't diagnose them. We can't fix them. And they have certain ideas of their own. Okay. And sometimes they're worse than the customers. They're worse than the customers. They want to pay less. They don't want to pay us at all. They don't, there's certain things they don't want to pay us for. There's certain things that they think are, are right and true and correct. And they're fucking not. There are certain times where they want certain things, and I'm telling you, they can't fucking get them. They're not going to get what they want. They're not going to get, you know, if you have a job that pays 10 hours, maybe you can do it in two hours. But if you bring it to me at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm pretty much winding down, I'm not going to do that two hours of work and collect that 10 hours of pay because I'm tired. 
I'll do it in the morning. And if you say, oh, you know, they want it tonight. I said, how, how is it that you can offer somebody to have a car finished tonight when you sell the job at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and, and it's supposed to take 10 hours? How do you sell that job? How do you sell somebody? Let's say you're, you're paying, you know, your door labor rate's $200 an hour and it's 10 hours, so it's $2,000. How do you how do you tell somebody? And that's happened. You you know, you're, you're probably sitting right now shaking your head and go, yeah, it's happened. Where you tell somebody, oh, you know, at one o'clock in the afternoon, they can have it by five, and yet they've got to pay two thousand dollars for labor. And they're like, "Fuck, are you kidding me? If I if I have if I okay something at one o'clock, and I'm and they're going to be done with it by four o'clock, that's three hours, and you're going to charge me two thousand dollars labor at two hundred dollars an hour. You know, even the even a moron as a customer can do the math and go, holy fuck, you know, they're making something in the neighborhood of fucking four hundred dollars an hour down there." It don't sound fucking right at all to me, you know. Uh, that's one of the things I wanted to kind of uh, bring to you this week is that some of the people that we have to deal with that are the most difficult to deal with are the ones we have to deal with every motherfucking day. And I've, I've got, uh, we've all had, I mean, I hope none of you have had this, but I'm sure that we have all had terrible, god-awful service advisors. They say things that are wrong. They tell customers things that are wrong. They they. Let the customer tell them what's wrong with the car. They let the customer tell them when it should be done. And then they try to, then they try to ramrod that shit through when it can't happen. I mean, you know, here, the example being 10 hours worth of work in four hours in an afternoon. That's not good. That's not, that's not a good, a good situation to be in. Suppose the customer does do the math. Four hours, four hours worth of work for $2,000. It's fucking $500 an hour, asshole. Who's gonna pay? Who's gonna pay anybody five hundred dollars an hour? You know, even if you don't quote that in in labor time, you quote it just in money. The the math still doesn't really work out that well. So we have we have a lot of inconsistencies, and we have a lot of idiots and imbeciles. But we also have some some really great people that we have uh, working for us too that are good. I would hope. So when you have to deal with people, it really it's such a random mixed bag of nuts, and, and oftentimes it makes makes or breaks a, a job. It makes or breaks an occupation or a, a shop where you might work or where you might want to work or, or where you used to work. You know, I don't, I don't actually, myself personally, I don't sit around and moan about uh, uh, possibly going back to a shop I used to work at. Uh, I mean, I, I could if they wanted me, but I'm pretty sure they have moved on and I certainly have moved on. I don't have anybody out there really that I'm chomping at the bit to uh, get back to working with. Although I did, I have worked with some absolutely fantastic people in the past. I've also worked with some real fucking clod hammers and uh, crowbars, and then wouldn't want to go back to that. And a lot of times when you when you think about where you used to work, if you've ever had more than one job, and I think a lot of us have, if you if you start to think about what that job was like and, and what went on there and really dig down deep and get some of those memories out of the fucking locker, out of the bottom of the locker, you know, next to the fucking wad of gum you put in there and the, and the fucking, you know, the ripped wedgie shorts that you had when you were in ninth grade, you start to pull up memories of stuff that happened to you that wasn't good. You know, you want to remember the good stuff. Your brain does that to you automatically. The bad stuff kind of gets shuffled to the bottom of the pile, and then you start digging that stuff up, and you're going, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, I don't want to go back to shop ABC because it, it, they did this and this and this, and that was not good, you know. You have to kind of balance the good with the bad as far as what you remember about a place you used to work at, and you have to balance the good with the bad with the place you're working at now. 
And if you can't balance it and the and the parts about it that are bad outweigh massively the parts about it that are good, then all by all means, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Grease the Wheels, your weekly automotive technician podcast where we we suggest that you get the fuck out of where you are if they're not going to take care of you. If you have immeasurable amounts of problems and terrible pay and, and awful managers and shitty service advisors and terrible, even terrible clientele sometimes, fucking get that two-week notice form written up and get the hell out of there. There is, a, uh, here it is. Here's the, the, the mission statement for your Grease the Wheels uh, podcast, boys and girls. There is, and I've run out of adjectives for it, or there is just a huge shortage of automotive technicians. It's huge. It can't be ignored, okay? It, it Believe me, management, shop owners and managers and, and district managers and general managers and service managers and managers of every fucking type, have tried to ignore the problem. They've tried to solve it in their own simple, stupid ways and and really have failed en masse. They have all failed. They really all failed. There are, there are I probably, I'd say in the country that I'm in, the United States of America, there's probably maybe 30 or 40 dealers who have figured it out and have had to put their money where their mouth is and pay the technicians a very livable wage and create happiness in their in their workshops and they don't suffer like some of the shops do some shops out there it's pathetic it's just ridiculous okay now along those lines i was looking up some shit and uh i ran across an article that made me spit up and uh, i don't i don't like spitting up it's kind of fucking disgusting and i'm surprised they even told you about it but this was an article that i found and it it appeared in the uh times of San Diego. And uh, I think for those of us who don't know, uh, some of us are familiar with it. Some of you live and work in California. Uh, California is uh, is turning into a, a, an enormous shit show of a state. Uh, where I'm at in Texas, people show up here from California all the fucking time. Just trying to get away from all of the fucking bullshit that's going on over there. And I'm not... I, and I'm not you know, educated enough. I don't know enough about what they have going on over there in that state to speak intelligently about it. I understand the taxes are fucking astronomical and the laws that, that they have on everything, really, literally, it's just too much. It is it is just turned into a, a fucking humongous shit show where they have legislated against this, that, and the other thing and everything else. Okay, and now, uh, to be fair, I understand why I understand why California does certain things. I understand. They had a very, 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 keep going, James. They had a very, many multiple varies, big problem with air pollution. In the 1960s, it was disgusting. It was hazardous, and it was not going away. And they had to do radical things, and they did. And the rest of the country kind of followed along. Some some states followed along. Uh, without a thought or care in the world, and some other states thought about it and adapted some of the rules and laws that they have in California, and even eventually the federal government said, "You know, yeah, that's a good idea." So we're going to adopt those rules for the whole country. So we know that California is, uh, you know, they've, they're struggling with problems with pollution, and they have come up with these excruciating laws and uh, regulations 
for automobiles in their in that state. Okay, I'm very glad I don't work there and live there. Uh, and you know what? You know what kind of uh, upsets me? Just a little personal note is that when I was a kid growing up, uh, California seemed like a really great place to be. It really did. I mean, you know, from my very, very, very young days, they had surfing going on down there. They had Beach Boys and all that, and and that was a really and a really like a robust car culture that was you know uh, documented in the movie American Graffiti. I mean, it just seemed like. California was a place to go to have a lot of fun, you know, and even into the seventies, you know, you had, uh, you know, the hotel, California, the, the Eagles and that sort of thing. And California still seemed pretty cool. A lot of bands called California home and, and a lot of rock bands. And, uh, they, they had a lot, they stay again, they still had a lot of things going on, but then right around the, uh, beginning of the eighties and in, in through the eighties and the nineties, it really started going off the rails, excuse me. They started going off the rails with some of these regulations, for automobiles and how clean they had to be and all that. And it was some of the uh, manufacturers, I'd say, uh, actually, I would say all of them struggled to try to meet these particular uh, specifications, these specific regulations that they had on, on vehicles and how much, how many hydrocarbons they could uh, spew out the tailpipe and that they had to turn carbon monoxide into carbon dioxide and they had to do this and they had to do that. And it was, it was pretty horrendous. And a lot of, a lot of companies, quite frankly, didn't, didn't get it done very well and suffered because of that. And so that's where we're at now, uh, where we have, and, and, you know, I'm an older guy. So, uh, to me, this is a real problem. I watched growing up is that we have morphed from a country that builds its own vehicles, its own automobiles and buys its own automobiles. And they had style and grace and, and dignity. And they did the job just an unbelievable amount of, uh, of respect and uh, intelligence, and now we all drive uh, foreign cars. And even I drive a foreign car. I have, you know, I, I have a car from the brand I work for. I work for a German luxury brand, uh, and and I and, and it has really, as far as being an owner of that kind of car, it has kind of a bad reputation, which is weird because uh, I don't fit that at all. Really, I actually do know what a turn signal's for, and wait for it, I use it. But we have morphed into a country that buys our vehicles from uh, outside sources. And in fact, in the 80s, I remember this very clearly, the marketing for some of these cars suggested that we as Americans don't know how to build cars, and so they should buy Japanese cars, especially. And I never enjoyed that, that whole mantra that they tried to foist on to us. And so uh, I have chafed mightily against uh, Japanese and Korean-made vehicles in the past, and I still continue to this day pretty much. Although a lot of you know that it's true that they're built here in like Tennessee and Kentucky and shit like that. So how bad are Americans at building cars when these foreign car companies decided that they would like to have them built here? It kind of came around, you know, it circled back around 360 degrees and now Americans are building foreign cars. And what I don't like about it is that when you buy one, yes, it's made in America with an engine made in America or made in Mexico or made in Canada even, but the money still goes overseas, okay? And that I see as a huge problem. And oh, by the way, you know what? They're not all good at it, okay? Because there's recalls out there uh, especially this one that they just came out with for Hyundai's and Kia's, where the uh, the DSC, the Dynamic Stability Control Unit, control unit that is 
by the way, bolted to the uh, master cylinder, gets brake fluid in it somehow or another because somebody didn't do their job right. Somebody didn't engineer something properly. And it shorts them out. And it took the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, NHTSA, uh, to tell us all, hey, if you have a Hyundai or a Kia, we recommend you park that fucking thing outside, not in your garage. Can you imagine that shit? Imagine buying a car and then having the federal government tell you, you know, you should probably park that outside. Why? Because it might catch on fucking fire. It's like, really? And they're twiddling their fucking thumbs and trying to figure out how to fix it as cheaply as possible because, by the way, they've already got the money from having sold it to you and they don't want to have to give any of it back. Sound familiar? Yeah. Everybody's like that with the money. Everybody, including the manufacturers. I think, honestly, that if you have a Hyundai or a Kia, you're just using that vehicle as an appliance. You're not a car person. I think you get what you deserve. That's just my opinion. I think you get what you deserve. You didn't buy you didn't buy a very high quality piece of equipment. And so if it burns your fucking house down, eh, it's what you get, motherfucker. You know, maybe that's not very nice. Maybe that's not uh, very uh, kind, okay? But I don't give a fuck, okay? Because somebody in, in Asia got the money from you for that car, even though it might have been built here. They got the money for that car over there. And now it's effed up. And somebody pointed out to them that they're effed, it's effed up. And they're like, oh, we don't give a fuck. We don't care. Oh, oh, what we'll do is we'll we'll send you some paper towels to mop up the brake fluid. It's like, what? Really? I mean, this is this is where they're at with that. Okay. They don't want to fix it. You know, they they say, Oh, you know, we'll drill a hole in the bottom of it and the brake fluid can leak out. It's like that's not a fix. Uh I've been kind of trying to keep up with that with that particular recall. There's a, a an extraordinary amount of those vehicles. They use the same dynamic stability control module. And they have that same problem on both of those types of vehicles. So uh, if you have one of them, for now, just park the fucking thing outside. Don't put it in the garage. Park it, you know, park it next to another car that has a good, uh, you know, park it, next to, park it next to another car that you don't like. Maybe your neighbor's car. And that way, if it catches fire, it burns his car up and you get to go, oh, well, my car burned up and so did yours. Uh, sucks to be us. But this particular article that I'm referencing here is about electric cars. And I know that you're all going to go, oh, Jesus Christ, here he goes with the electric cars again. Hey, folks, uh, it's not my deal. Okay. I remember when we had a different president and electric cars were like, yeah, we have cars that are electric. And uh, yeah, they make very little, uh, very little pollution. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an option. Okay, you can go ahead and buy one if you want. But you know what? We're Americans, goddammit. We're we're fucking fuel burning motherfuckers. And uh we need we need gasoline powered vehicles. I'm I'm sorry. I'm I mean maybe this is a shock to you. Maybe it's not a shock to you. It probably shouldn't be a shock to you if you're an auto mechanic, really, and you're listening to this. If you're not an auto mechanic and you're listening to this and you believe that the world can go entirely electric with automobiles, you are a little thing I like to call wrong. It can't happen. There's too many situations. There's too many places on this planet. Oh, and by the way, in this country as well, where uh, an electric car is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. It's not going to be feasible. It's not going to be something that that's, can be used to do what the people who are owning them need it to do. First off, if you want to, let's say you want to travel, you want to go somewhere, you have an electric car, it has a range of 350 miles because some of them have some, some of them have some serious range to them now, okay? Because there are technological advances in some of the batteries. I remember early on in the brand I worked for, the vehicles that we had, they had a range of, you know, 50 or 60 miles. 
not very fucking far at all. I mean, on a good day, when I was younger, let's put it that way, uh, I could ride my bike 60 miles, okay? So am I going to buy a car that only goes 60 miles? Fuck no, I'm not going to do that. So early on, and, and I believe it's still this way, folks. This is just the way I think. Early on, the electric vehicles that we had and a lot of other companies had were just an experiment. And some people loved them. Some people loved them because they never drove more than three, four, five miles at a time, and they were able to plug it in where they went, and they were able to plug it in at home, and so that never really got low on charge. But you know what? When you started building more and more and more of them, more people started driving them in a manner in which they weren't going to work very well. One of the things that I get, and I would imagine it's the same for a lot of brands, is that uh, we we have hybrids, and not really fully electric vehicles, obviously. They're hybrids. They have an internal combustion engine and also uh, what we call an e-machine, which lives in place of the torque converter, okay? So you're not going to get a manual transmission hybrid or a manual transmission electric car. It's not going to happen. I'm sure somewhere, some wacko with a CNC Bridgeport vertical mill is trying to figure out how to make a, a stick version of, of a fucking Prius or something like that. But so far, yeah, no, that isn't how it's working. Uh, the vehicles that I work on use uh, an e-machine. It lives where the torque converter is or should be, and it is an electric motor, and it will drive the vehicle. Typically in the hybrid, the range of the electric part of that car is very small, 13, 15, 17 miles, 20 miles. Yeah, you're not going to really be going very far just electrically. And when you get to a certain speed, the engine kicks on and, and it has to provide the cruising power necessary to go down the road. Okay, so hybrids, uh, most most hybrids are, quite frankly, still still an experiment. Now, we have some cars that are fully electric. And, and because of a major push by the current administration. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's good or bad. You're going to need to make up your own mind whether or not you believe it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, personally, I'm on the fence about it, okay? I always say the same thing about electric cars, and uh, I just believe it's true. Electric cars are an answer. They're not the answer, okay? They, they can provide for a lot of people the transportation that they need, very effectively, and they can use electricity and get their hands on uh, a place to charge it without too much trouble, okay? Well, I'm just talking about mostly as city dwellers. However, the United States is a pretty big fucking place. I mean, there's places that are bigger, obviously, but uh, as far as the United States goes, uh, one of the bigger, we're on top five of the biggest countries in the world, okay? We're in the top five. And if you want to drive from one side of the United States to the other, say New York to California, or vice versa, or Florida to Washington State, or or even, you know, uh, San Diego to Maine would be a pretty long fucking drive. You're not going to be able to do that electrically unless, of course, you have a real, real, real lot of time off because you're at most, you're going to get about 350, close to 400 miles per charge. Then you're going to have to stop and charge your vehicle up. You're going to have to wait for that. Now, Granted, they do have some DC fast chargers out there at certain places. And in half an hour or so, you can be charged up to 80%. Well, 80% of uh, 400 is what? Take 20 off of each one. So now you got 300 and 300 and what is that? Uh, 320 miles. Okay, so you go through another 320 miles, you got to charge up for half an hour. Does this sound like it's the worst thing in the world? Not really. However, the infrastructure for charging an electric vehicle just does not really exist like that. It's not, it's not out there. You could very easily 
get yourself into a situation where you have driven to an area where the nearest charger is farther away than your fucking car is going to be able to get. So there you go. Traveling long distances with an electric car. Yeah, it's not plausible. It can be done. It requires really literally like a fucking NORAD fucking bombing mission type of strategy to get the fucking thing charged up on a fairly semi-regular basis to keep fucking going. Okay. You'd have to, you'd have to be a master, master planner. You'd have to be really, I mean, yeah, you know, you get in those cars and, and they have a, you know, they have the iDrive screen and, and it'll tell you where you can charge your car. But then when you get there, there's some dork parked there trying to charge his fucking, who even knows what. And he's not, he just got there and it takes six hours for him to charge his shit up. And he's not going to, he's not going to stop charging his shit up. You can charge your shit up. And the other three are broken or have been vandalized or whatever. So, so there are problems with that. No, the electric car is a, is a uh, it's a small solution to a small portion of the problem that's all is it a large solution to the larger problem or to the complete problem no not at all because even uh in the northern part of the country where it gets bitterly cold the range for an electric vehicle is chopped in half and if it gets to be seriously cold it's chopped even more than that and so you're you're just not gonna you're probably just not gonna be able to get anywhere. I mean, I can imagine owning an electric car in a state like Montana, and in the wintertime in Montana, you know, you it's not uncommon to see temperatures minus ten, minus twenty. There's just nothing there to heat you up, and so all the heat just says see you later. And uh, next thing you know, it's ten degrees below zero, and you get in your electric car, and you've been charging it all night, and it's fully charged. You take it outside, and it gets a it. Gets, <laughs> It gets a load of that temperature outside and it says, well, you know, you had 350 miles of range while you were in the garage, but you pulled out and now we're outside and 10 minutes later, you've got 100 miles of range. The The cold affects them and the heat affects them too. But a lot of the batteries that I've dealt with anyway have a method for heating the battery up if it needs to be heated up. And they also have a method for cooling it. Uh, however, uh, there's really no amount, <laughs> no amount of heat you can put to a battery that can, that can help with the range when the ambient temperature is, uh, somewhere in the minus 10, minus 20 area. The heat needed to keep that battery warm and operating at peak efficiency uses energy from that battery to such a point that your range just disappears completely. So it's not a plausible solution for transportation needs in large sections of this particular country. In the cities, sure, they're fine. They're beautiful. Even in a cold city, if you have 100 miles of range and you only have to go six miles, what the fuck do you care? You're still going to have 96 or 94. Sorry, math was never my strong suit. You're still going to have 94 miles you can go, no matter how cold the fucking thing gets, you know? It's going to use a lot of energy to heat that battery up so that it works at maximum, you know, at its maximum efficiency. But to heat it up, you're using the energy in that battery to heat it up it's kind of a catch-22 you know anyway like i said i wanted to make this a short podcast so what i'm gonna do is go through this article here that was written for the times of san diego and this is this is even more idiotic than suggesting that electric cars are going to be uh, a 100 percent god's honest solution to uh internal combustion engine powered cars uh the name of this article is as california switches to electric cars thousands of mechanics will lose jobs uh, I'm, I'm, you know, that, that statement itself is idiotic because I've worked on electric cars and they're more fussy and picky. And oh, by the way, they actually almost completely resemble a non-electric car, an internal combustion engine car in so many ways that sometimes unless you're standing right on top of them, you can't tell what drives them. We have 
vehicles that are available to buy now that can be either internal combustion engine only or hybrid, which is both, or just electric. And from 30 or 40 feet away, it's mint if you squint and nobody can tell what the fuck it is. But, okay, follow along with me, folks. It still has wheels. It still has tires. It still has brakes, a windshield, fenders, hood, bumpers. It has control arms. It has half shafts. It has a differential. It still has to have all the fucking shit that an ICE car has when it's electric. It has to have all the same shit. This this person who wrote this, it, it was a woman, and I don't want to rip apart, you know, a woman, Nadia Lopez, she wrote this article. She doesn't have a fucking clue. I'm sorry. She doesn't get it. She starts out writing uh, about a shop that smells like oil and grease, and, and somebody's working on a 2014 Honda, and, and she talks to the owner, and he says, well, you know, you know I have skills to, to repair these cars, and, you know, and uh, they're specialized skills, and, you know, I can inspect and repair them. And she goes on to say here, but as California switches to electric vehicles in its battle against climate change and air pollution, well, now, I'm not so sure about climate change. Uh, a lot of people uh, jump up and down about how we've changed the climate. I agree we've changed the climate. We've certainly changed the look of the planet. Uh, and air pollution, yeah, it's a real fucking thing, okay? I'm not going to argue any of that stuff. But if you want to solve the problem of climate change and air pollution, what you need to do is not so much get rid of the cars, but get rid of some of the fucking people. Just stop making more people. But what we're going to do is we're going to, obviously we're auto mechanics, so instead of talking about, you know, the end of the earth and the end of time and, and soylent green and all that stuff, instead instead of talking about the apocalyptic nature of zombies and all that stuff and get just getting rid of human beings altogether and saving the planet from us, which is really probably what end, will end up happening, uh, we're going to talk about uh, trying to get rid of cars that, that use oil and gasoline. And this is how stupid some people are. They believe that when we have cars that are electric, oh, they won't break and nobody will need to fix them. <laughs> okay, so this is what she came up with. And I don't know where she got this from because this is completely wrong. It says, bye. 2040, the state projects that nearly 32,000 auto mechanics jobs will be lost in California since electric vehicles need far less maintenance and repair than conventional combustion engines. Well, yes, they will need far less maintenance and repair than conventional combustion engines, but they will still need maintenance and repair. So what you're going to do is you're going to swap A for B, and B is not that much different than A was. It's not. Do you think, do you, on, does, does this woman honestly think that there's going to be a loss of jobs because the cars are never going to break? That's basically what she's saying. She goes on to write, I'm not against electric vehicles, uh, said the guy who owns the shop she went to. Uh, I've always loved cars and I'll work on them until I can't anymore. We just have to adjust. We have to get out of our comfort zone. I'm not in a comfort zone. As a mechanic, I'm not in a comfort zone. People bring me different broken shit every fucking day. It's at least once a week I get something that's broken in a manner in which I've never fucking seen before. So I I think you were in the same boat as I am. I don't have a comfort zone. People are out there fucking shit up in, in such unbelievable, random, and destructive ways that I can't even imagine. And yet tomorrow it'll be in my stall. And I'll have to fucking fix it. Sometimes I'll have to figure out what the fuck happened first. I have seen people wreck shit and destroy shit in, in so many different ways. And, and they, they're not done yet. 
They're not done yet. And you know what? These people are not going to stop wrecking their fucking shit just because it's electric. They're not going to stop fucking driving into trees, hitting curbs, running over shit they shouldn't. I'll tell you something right now. One of the things I do, uh, and I've talked about it many times, I do videos on cars when I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing to them. Uh, A lot of times I'm just initially doing diagnosis or initially doing some maintenance. And I'll go over the car with my flashlight and and I'll see, uh, you know, whatever I see, you know, maybe the tires are shot, maybe the brakes are shot, maybe the tires and the brakes are shot. Maybe they bent some components, wheels, uh, tires, uh, you know, they've destroyed the tires, bending the wheels, they've wrecked control arms and struts leak. And, you know, there's a million fucking things. Okay. So I go through with my, uh, my little iPod camera and I do a little video saying, Hey, you know what? This is good. This is good. This is good. This right here. Not so good. Uh, I'm going to send you an estimate for repairing that. And, uh, it doesn't really matter to me what kind of fucking car it is, how it's driven. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do the same thing. And they're not that different from each other. All that shit's the same. Electric, internal combustion engine car, tires, wheels, brakes, suspension, all that shit. Same shit. The only thing an electric car really doesn't have is it doesn't have, uh, it, you don't have to change the oil. Yes, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have uh, a transmission, so to speak. Uh, it does. It will have a, a, an, an electric motor. And then a final drive for that electric motor. And also, too, uh, it won't have a, a drive shaft and it won't have an exhaust system. Big fucking deal. Do you know how many times I look at exhaust and just say that it's mint? It is. It's mint. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't make any money fixing exhaust. None. None whatsoever. If they took exhaust away, I would make exactly the same amount of money that I do now. I don't fucking have to deal with that shit. Some people, obviously, uh, back in the day, exhaust used to be made out of thin galvanized steel and used to rot out and people made lots of money uh you know these shops like midas's and monroe's and that sort of thing used to do exhaust like crazy you call up and ask them say hey when's the last time you did an exhaust system on a car and they'd be like spend fucking months it just doesn't just they just don't go bad anymore i mean maybe maybe there's some manufacturers out there who are building shitty exhaust but for the most part most of them have them made out of shit that makes them last forever i mean a car will rot around it you know you'll see an exhaust laying on the ground you go what the, what the fuck happened here i go well the rest of the car rotted away around it but that's you know that's still here and and we're not going to we're not going to miss that stuff it doesn't break nothing really happens to it unless let's say smash it up one of the things i do in the video and this is what i started to tell you is uh I'll show, I'll show the customer, and especially this one make a car we have. The battery's on the bottom of the car, which is a great place for it because it lowers the center of gravity, makes the car drive and handle awesome, to be quite frank with you. But the battery's on the bottom of the car, and there's a very thin aluminum panel there. And then on the other side of that thin aluminum panel are AC cooling grids to keep the battery cool, which is a big deal in the south and southwest, which is where I'm at. And then there's the batteries themselves, okay? So if you take one of these cars and you drive it off-road and you hit like a rock or something pointy or a curb just right and you poke a hole in that motherfucker, you're out big fucking dollars. So, you know, 32,000 auto mechanics are going to lose their jobs in California because electric vehicles need far less maintenance and repair than conventional combustion engines. However, what it should say People are stupid, and people will always be stupid, and drive their cars into an over shit that is going to ruin the components of their electric vehicle, and so auto mechanics will still be fucking necessary, idiot. Here's what it goes on to say. Uh, I just wanted to illustrate that point. Uh, In an effort to transform to carbon-neutral, climate-friendly state, California's proposal to phase out 
all new electric gas-powered cars by 2035 will drive a wide-ranging transition, wide-ranging transition of the world of transportation. Throughout the economy, an estimated 64,000 jobs will be lost because of the mandate. I'm sorry, that's just just wrong. First off, uh, and let me point this out to her and to you, uh, there's already a shortage, okay? So no jobs are going to be lost where a guy's standing there with his hands in his pocket going, what am I going to do now? That's not going to happen, okay? Because nobody wants to be an auto mechanic because the job pays jack shit. We all know that. So, for, But for them to suggest that because electric cars don't have certain things that, that internal combustion engine cars have, that they're just not going to need us. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you what, honey. Take us off your speed dial. And then when your car fucks up, you figure out who to call, but don't fucking call us. We'll call you, bitch. All right. Here's what here's what it says. On the other hand, an estimated 24,900 jobs would be gained in other sectors. Like what? Like what? Where are you going to transfer all these jobs to? What? Maybe manufacturing? Well, probably not in fucking California, not with the fucking rules that they have, right? So the estimated net loss is only around, only around 39,000 jobs. This is just idiocy. This is just complete and total idiocy, you know? And I, I know that Eric gets upset when I go online and I find some shit and then I rip it apart for you guys um, because it's not a real original content. And it's and I, like I've said before, it's tough to come up with original content all the time. It is. It's it's difficult. And I think I do a fairly decent job of it. I'm, I'm not breaking my arm, patting myself on the back. There's times where I kind of phone it in and you can tell and you turn it off five minutes in and go, yeah, fuck that guy this week. I'm not going to listen to that horse shit. But this, is, this stuff is just wrong, completely wrong. And I need to point it out to you because there are people out there who are so-called experts. And this, this woman didn't, didn't write that. She's just a journalist. What she seems to know about automobiles could fit into a Nats piss pot and it would still be room for the Nats piss, okay? She doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. Are they going to need auto mechanics in the future when they decide that they're not going to have any more internal combustion engine cars? Fuck yeah. You know why? Here's what's going to happen. And this is from somebody who knows things and can see things in the future and can see the problems come down the pike. Number one, people in the state of California are going to hang on to their internally combusted engine cars forever. And guess what they're going to need? Yep, they're going to need a mechanic because they're going to need repairs, okay? So it will be, you know what it'll be like? And honestly, you can look right at it and see, you can see what happens when you cut off an entire economy from spare parts. Cuba, right? They have 50s, they have, they have, Tons and tons and tons of cars, American-made cars from the 1950s. And when Fidel Castro took over in 1959, the United States said, eh, that's enough. Cuba gets nothing. And so Cuba has gotten nothing since 1959. Well, what happened? Well, they still needed cars, and they still needed to have cars do the things that cars do. So they make all these old cars that they have down there continue to work. Now, they don't have the problem with salt. And they don't have a rust belt in Cuba. So they don't really have, you know, a horrible rust problem. But still, these cars break down all the fucking time. And I'll tell you, there's some fucking seriously crafty sons of bitches in Cuba who can make parts for cars. And quite frankly, the other thing is that a lot of the cars in Cuba, they have engines manufactured in Russia. Yeah, because, you know, you take a small block Chevy from a 56 Chevrolet and you bore it out a couple, two, three times and it's fucking worthless. 
It's junk. You can only bore it out and rebuild it so many times. And you can't get parts anyway. So why would you do that? Why wouldn't you get an engine from somewhere where you can get parts for it? And so they have to turn to Russia because we've said, yeah, fuck you. We're not giving you anything. Suck my dick. You know, you don't want it. You don't want anything to do with the United States. Well, the United States doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And this is still going on. And California is going to turn itself into a new Cuba where everybody in California hangs on for dear life, by the way, to all their internally combustion engine cars. It is not going to be, and I'm telling you, this is going to be long after your Uncle Jimmy is gone, or at least hopefully long after he's gone. But there are going to be people in California who will absolutely hang on and fight tooth and nail to keep their internally combustion engine cars in that state because the electric cars are not going to do the things that they need them to do. I don't give a fuck how, how great they get, how much better they get at what they do. The infrastructure will probably pick up and get better. It can't get worse than it is now. And electric cars will be a much more viable uh, alternative in the future. But for right now, mm, you're not, we're not there. We're not there. And I don't know as if, you know, I don't know how many places in California where you're going to be able to get energy and you're going to be able to get it fast enough so that you can efficiently do some sort of traveling or delivery service of any kind. But it's still not going to work because people are going to want to hang on to their internal combustion engine cars. And what they're going to end up having to do, because you can see this coming, okay, in California, they will close and shut down gasoline stations. They will tax the living fucking piss out of gasoline, and they will cause three quarters, if not 100% of the people who live in California, to get the fuck out of California and go to places where they're not as fucking stupid as they are out in California. Now, look, let me back up from that a little bit, okay? Because I think eventually, as human beings, as people who, who can innovate, and come up with solutions to problems, we will come up with a solution to the problems that, that are caused by cars with internal combustion engines. Internal combustion engines, quite frankly, folks, and you all know this, they are brutally inefficient. They have become significantly more efficient over the last 20 years with the advent of uh, variable valve timing, variable ignition timing, variable every kind of thing, turbochargers, all that stuff. They make uh, scat, They make pallets of torque and horsepower from four-cylinder engines now, such to the point that when you want to buy a brand-new Chevy truck, yeah, they're going to talk into buying one with a four-cylinder in it. That was unheard of years ago, unheard of. You bought a 74 Chevy half-ton pickup truck. You got a 354 barrel with a turbo 350 tranny, and you could fucking haul the world with that fucking thing. Now they're out there trying to sell you a fucking, you know, a fucking half-ton Chevy pickup truck with a four-cylinder engine with a fucking hairdryer on the side of it and an eight-speed transmission. It just doesn't sound right, you know, for some old dogs like me. We're just going to be like, yeah, I don't want that, you know. I got to have some extra cylinders. I'm sorry. It's just me, you know. Uh, it's going to take a little while for human beings to get used to the fact that you can make more horsepower with a with a four-cylinder with a hairdryer on the side of it than you could with an old Chevy 354 barrel. But I think I'd rather have the old the old small block 350 with the four-barrel carb than a fucking 2.7-liter four-cylinder engine with, with a turbo slung along the side of it. Never mind that the specs say that it makes 100 more horsepower than the, than the old small block, than it has, you know, 150-foot pounds of torque more or pound feet of torque whichever way you want to say it and it has more torque and more horsepower than the old engine it's just it's i'm sorry i just want to i want to hear the air howling through a quadrajet that's what i want to hear <laughs> especially if i'm trying to tow something up a fucking big hill but that but th what what i'm trying to tell you there is 
excuse me, is that we're going we're gonna to get there someday. We're going to get to a point where we find an energy source to power our personal transportation devices that is clean and efficient and is, is also going to be plenty and available and in, in, in plenty, readily available, and we're not going to struggle with, with how it's made. You know, Here's the thing with California. Yeah, they have a lot of hydroelectric, but they probably also have coal-fired power plants there because you can only transmit electricity so far. And if you have a dam that makes, uh, you know, hydroelectric energy, you can only send that so far. And then after that, you're going to have to build a plant to service all the people who live outside of that range. So electric cars really aren't the answer. They're an answer. And yes, they are cleaner. And we can have the debate all day long about the fact that, you know, the materials in the battery are strip mined in China and handled by kids and they're going to die of, of horrible uh, diseases and their kids are going to be born with birth defects and, and it's just going to ruin uh, all the Chinese people with, with our, our selfishness over wanting to get back and forth, wanting to get from point A to point B. Someday, I believe, uh, and, and I mean, I, I say someday, who knows when it, when it will be, if, if our, if our uh, species continues to survive, we will have cars that are much cleaner, much more efficient, maybe, maybe more fun. Wouldn't that be cool for a change? Jesus Christ. Some of the shit I see now is so fucking boring looking. I wouldn't even, you know, I wouldn't even be any fun to even smash into this shit. And usually that's pretty fun. But, uh, and then, and they'll also, they probably won't even touch the ground. They'll have guidance systems in them. You'll tell it where to go. You won't have to pay attention. You can, you can fucking text on your phone while it's taking you where you want to go. You won't have to worry about hitting things. It knows where everything is. It has sensors. I mean, that's that's obviously it's science fiction, and it's in the future. It's not here yet. It's not going to be here for a while. And honestly, one of the things that kind of bugs me just a little bit, I mean, maybe this just shows my ignorance, and believe me, I have plenty of that. I don't understand why we have to get there so goddamn fast. Why do we, why is it that they have to say, oh, by 2035, we don't want to have internal combustion engine cars in California anymore? Why? Why does it have to be so fucking soon? You know, it took, it took over 120 years for us to get to where we are now with the internal combustion engine. And it's way more efficient than it used to be. Still pretty inefficient. But why would you, uh, you know, draw this line in the sand that says, hey, we're going to get rid of them because the alternative is going to be better. The alternative is not better. It is an alternative. It's not the best alternative in the world. Not for some people at all. You're going to see people who are going to hang on tooth and nail to their internal combustion engine cars. I mean, imagine for a second, and it's difficult to do it, but imagine for a second, any take any car now, right now, being built today even, in a plant in Kentucky or in uh, Tokyo or anywhere in the world or, you know, Stuttgart, Germany or wherever, that has got an internal combustion engine and it comes over here to the United States. Somebody buys it. They love the car for the first two, three, four years. They own it. They drive it. They drive it. They drive it. Uh, suddenly it gets past what I call the point of no fucks given and they stop maintaining it and maybe the engine blows up or maybe it just doesn't run right or it, it smokes or whatever it does and they stop driving it and they park it underneath the carport by the side of the garage and it sits there for 20 years now suddenly you have a hundred percent ban on new internal combustion engine cars in california and you've got this let's just say we got a porsche and doesn't even have to be a, a decent porsche it could just be like a cayenne or some shit a McCann or a, you know panamera whatever it is 
you know, you've used it and abused it and, and it's parked in your yard. It's been paid for a long, long time ago. It doesn't really run that well. It probably won't even run now at all because it's been sitting for 20 years. Now suddenly the value of that car skyrockets and people are bugging you every fucking day to buy it because they can't buy a new car with that kind of engine in it and they'll do whatever they have to do to get it fixed. Think about that. Think about somebody restoring a fucking uh, a Hyundai or a Kia built today or even yesterday or even a year ago or t- five years ago because they can no longer get a car with that type of engine in it. And they need a car with that type of engine in it. And they'll have them. And wait, wait for this one in California. You'll have to buy your gasoline on the Internet and have somebody ship it to you clandestinely in gas cans or or in a tanker truck that pulls in across the border somewhere silently so that you can tank up. They're going to probably ban that shit too, or at least they're going to try. At least they're going to try. I'm telling you the future. The, I weep for the future. I'm glad I'm living now. I wish I'd actually been born about 20 years earlier so I could roll into a, a new car dealer in the 60s and buy a brand new car instead of rolling into a dealer in the 80s and not being able to buy anything they have and not really even wanting to because it was all shit. You know, I mean, how cool would it be to get your first job and get a get your first or second paycheck and decide that you can afford to buy a brand new car and roll in and buy, a, you know, a 68 Super Sport Camaro, maybe even with a rally sport option where it hides the headlights. You know, it's got a 327 with a with a Rochester Quadrajet and it's got a maybe in 68 it still even had a power glide transmission and maybe it had air conditioning if you were in a hot part of the country. Holy shit. How cool would a car like that be right now? Buck. You kidding me? And in the future, when when they're completely done with internal combustion engine cars, nobody even builds them anymore. Those cars, those cars will be worth more than fucking gold, maybe, if you can buy fuel. And if you can't buy fuel, somebody will fucking figure out a way to make that shit and sell it on the black market. And you'll have to contact them on the internet. <laughs> It'll be like fucking marijuana, you know? It's like, how do you get your hands on it when it's illegal? Well, you figure it out, don't you? Yeah, uh, this lady. I don't even, I'm not even going to read the rest of it. She's got some fucking statistics here about, uh, how much cars cost and what they're going to, what they're going to cost in, in 2035. And nobody has any idea what that's going to be. That's just bullshit to even suggest that you know how much that shit's going to cost. I'm just telling you right now that this woman seems to think that they won't need auto mechanics then. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, and you know this, they're going to need them more than ever. Uh, I'll tell you a little story and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a, a wrap on this particular podcast for you. Brand I work for have a, a, a Facebook page where there's probably, nah, there's probably about a hundred, maybe a couple hundred, uh, people subscribe to this page. It's a private page for technicians for the brand I work for. And it was, it was started and fostered by a, a, a gentleman who was an instructor at one of their factory training centers. And one of the individuals posted something uh, just the other day, and it showed that they have a car, and it's a fairly new car. It's only been out. It's been out about a year now, and uh, they went to charge the car, came in and had some sort of problem, and they went to charge the car, and it charged for a little while, and it stopped charging. It wouldn't charge anymore, and it wasn't charged to full. So they pull it in, and they diagnose it, and they diagnose it, and they diagnose it, and they determine that it needs all of the cell modules and that it needs a, a thing called the safety safety box the safety module and a and a, and the uh these the current control modules and the parts to repair this particular vehicle the parts for the electric 
car to repair this vehicle, the batteries, the cell modules, the batteries, whatever you want to call them, and the control modules that live in there that control what they do and, and make them safe to work on, by the way, okay? Because some of these control modules, and I think believe there's 11 of them, uh, will shut off the uh, con- will switch off the contactors inside the batteries uh, on these on this vehicle, and there's uh, I believe a, a dozen of them. The total for all of the parts for this particular vehicle to repair it was eighty eight thousand dollars, folks. The car sells brand new for sixty thousand dollars. How does that even work? And that's not even including the labor, because once the labor was fig- figured in, the 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 cost of repairing the vehicle shot to over a hundred thousand dollars. And the car's under warranty, so the customer doesn't give a shit, doesn't give a rip. And that's going to fix the car. And there's nothing else wrong with the car except for all these components are fucking dunzo. Now, if you're in California and you've convinced everyone in, in California that you don't need auto mechanics anymore and everybody goes and gets a job doing something completely different, which would be a really fun idea to do right now, you have nobody to fix that car. So what are you going to pay for labor? Well, if there's nobody there to do the fucking job, you're not going to pay anything for labor because the job's not going to get done because the cars don't break, right? No, they're still going to fucking break, honey. You're still going to need mechanics. You're just going to have to train themselves. They're going to have to be trained differently, you know? Instead of re- replacing spark plugs and coils and putting, you know, maybe changing the gaskets on the intake manifold or doing an oil pan gasket or maybe putting in new connecting rod bearings or maybe main bearings or retiming a camshaft or changing a timing chain, you're going to have to pull the fucking battery out, change the fucking cell modules, change the fucking safety modules and all the uh, all the current control modules, and then you're going to have to set it all back up and screw it all back together again and put it back in the fucking car. It's the exact same fucking job. It's just carried out a little bit different by the same fucking people, you idiot. Us. To suggest that you're not going to need us anymore is the most ridiculous and stupid fucking thing I've heard ever. Ever. Okay, it's like saying, hey, guess what? We're not going to have crime in the future, so we won't need any more cops. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see how that works out for you, idiot. All right. You know what? On that note, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm not even going to bother looking at any more of this because, it, well, she goes on to say here, mechanics will need new skills or new jobs. Look, uh, by the time electric vehicles become the norm instead of like a real, and it is right now, it's real niche kind of a a thing uh it's more popular in some areas than in others i don't need to tell you as a technician where those areas are i think you can probably figure it out and that they're usually on the left side of 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 what happens especially when technicians are typically on the right side not all but but some what's going to happen is when that happens is there's just not going to be anybody there anyway because you've chased everybody out of the business regardless of what fucking kind of cars you have because you don't want to pay them Nobody's going to want to get into the, no, you're seeing it now. Nobody wants to do the job that we're doing because it doesn't pay shit and it's hard. You got to buy your own fucking tools and you, you have to go get your own education. You can't count on anybody else to, to pay for it or to give it to you or to give you a scholarship for it. I mean, sure, there are some scholarships out there, right? But what do you got to do to get them? You got to show promise. You got to show an interest in the field. Who's doing that? Who's showing an interest in the field? People who don't know anybody else because a lot of us are out there telling people, say, hey, you want to be a mechanic? Yeah. Hey, why don't you just go home and hit yourself in the head with a hammer? You're going to enjoy the same results. That's about it for this week, seriously. Uh, for anybody who thinks that we're going to lose jobs because of electric cars, I don't, I don't, know, what to, I don't know what to say about that. That's just, that's just stupid. 
to the sublime. It's just stupid. It is it is ridiculous. Uh, don't worry about your job. Uh, if you if you have a, here's the thing, and then this is the last thing I really want to tell you. If you're an auto mechanic and you want to continue to be an auto mechanic, more power to you. It's an occupation that I have enjoyed. I enjoy it most days. Uh, my foot hurts really bad right now, so uh, I'm not enjoying it right at the moment. But I still enjoy it enough that I can deal with the pain of my my foot swelling up. Uh, and it sounds weird to say that, but I mean I I like what I do enough that I can deal with a, a small amount of pain to continue to do it. Plus, too, I'm paid fairly well. But uh, in the future, people are not going to want to do this at all. And quite frankly, you're insane for for doing it now, like me. And if you keep doing it, you're even more insane. And so someday when there's absolutely no fucking technicians out there and people have a broken car, it's not going to matter what the fuck it is, whether it's an ICE car or an electric car, there ain't going to be nobody to fix it. And then when they want to figure out who the reason that there's nobody there to fix it and they want to find somebody to blame, they can just go find a mirror. They themselves are the ones to blame because they put stupid fucking shit like this out there on the internet saying, oh, you're going to lose jobs. Well, what are they trying to do? Chase off anybody who might want to be an auto mechanic? Well, good job. Good job. Because if you read this and you didn't know that this woman was completely ill-informed and just basically stupid, you'd think, holy fuck, I don't want to be an auto mechanic. There's not going to be any jobs by 2035. All right, that's enough. I've tore, <laughs> I've tore that up enough. Uh, I'll move on. Listen, I just want to say real quick before I go, uh, the year is coming to an end. It's October already. Uh, I want you to take a look at your paychecks. And on that spot where it says year to date, I want you to, to remember back to January when you when you decided you were going to keep doing this for another year, insanely enough, and you decided that you needed to make a certain amount of money. Well, you got two months left. Take a look at your paycheck, the year to date figure, and see if you're on track to make the right amount of money to keep yourself happy, to keep your family or whatever else you got going, going, and decide whether or not you need a raise or a change of scenery, or if you're on track. Because honestly, as your Uncle Jimmy, I'm on track to to meet my goal, even though I had a month off because I was battling cancer. I'm on track. We'll see if I make it. I'll let you know if I make it. I got a lot more work to do. I got a couple months worth of work to do here. Hopefully, if the work continues to pile in like it has been recently, I can get there. I can get there. And a lot of things have changed in my, let me just put this out there real quick before I go. A lot of things changed where I work. We put in some, uh, some, uh, additional management that has taken some manners that were out of everybody's control and gotten them lassoed and hogtied. And now our service advisors do their job the way they're fucking supposed to. And that means more money for your Uncle Jimmy and his cohorts and his associates because they're having to sell the recommendations that we make and they can't just auto-decline them. They can't just hit a button, select all, decline. They can't do that anymore because the new management in place is looking at that going, why didn't you attempt to sell that? Why didn't you tell the customer he needs tires? Because that's what was happening before. All right. So anyway... On a a less personal note, thank you very much uh, for whining about your own situation, asshole. Uh, Look at your look at your year to date. See what you got going on. See where you see if you are where you where you think you should be. See if you're going to end up where you wanted to be. And if you're not, you might have to grease the wheels. The pay is out there, folks. The jobs are out there. There's no reason. There's no reason not to reach out and grab what's rightfully yours. Do the work and get paid for it. All right. All right. That's enough. That's enough. 
I'm, I'm going to stop now. And when I stop at the end of the podcast, usually I just go, see ya.